Amen. All right, if you would, you can turn in your Bibles to the book of Leviticus, the book of Leviticus, the third book of the Old Testament, and it has to do with our fellowship. How do we fellowship with God? How was Israel supposed to fellowship with God? Remember when they were there and they were around the mountain and, man, it was thundering and and, uh, and all this stuff was going on and, man, they were kind of like, hey, Moses, you talk to God. <laughs> we're, we're too frightened to talk to God. You talk to him, then you come back and tell us what he said and we're going to take care of that. We're going to do that. And so... Uh, we know that they were fearful about that, and yet now we know that, man, they have an opportunity to enjoy their relationship. And remember, that it has changed in their lives. And so now this, this new position that they have, uh, both, both what it was in the past and now what it is in the present, he wants to speak to them from the door of the tabernacle, right in the midst of them. And I put that on your sheet there where you could see how those tribes are arranged around there. And there was a reason for that. Uh, our God is a God of order. And uh, that just wasn't supposed to be haphazard pre, uh, camping, if you will, or where they were going to be. And each of those, like if you'll notice, if you look on page 13, each of those Levites was going to have a special uh was going to have a special place and a special duty the merarites the gershonites the kohathites and then you have Moses Aaron and the priests all of all of whom are levites anybody re- i have one you have money no <laughs> candy took it all right oh okay all right go ahead brother And uh, does anybody remember why they, they are going to be the ones that are chosen to do this? Does anybody remember why? Do you remember, do you remember what happened when they came out of Egypt? We didn't really talk about it, but it wasn't long after they came out of Egypt. And, oh, he, he needs one, brother. I thought you had the answer, Brother Jose. He did, it, and, and do you remember what happened? Moses had been delayed up on top of the mountain, and they said, man, we don't know what's happened to this Moses. He might be up there dead, and certainly we're not going up there to find out. They were at Mount Sinai. And, uh, and so they decided, man, they, and they got Aaron involved in this, and they made the golden calf. Remember that? And, man, they, they, they brought that stuff, made the golden calf. And, and uh, so finally Moses is coming down with the tablets and so forth. He's got Joshua, and, and, and Joshua says, man, I, I think I, that's a sound of war. There's a war going on. But, but you know, Moses being a little older, having been raised at the house of Pharaoh, he, I'm paraphrasing now. He said, man, that's not the sound of war. That's a party. Uh, Fer, uh, uh, Moses had been to parties before, Egyptian parties. He said, that sounds like a party. And, again, I'm paraphrasing. And, uh, and he gets down there, and, man, I mean, they had gone berserk. And, uh, and so... And so Levite, Moses basically says, you know, who's going to be over here? Who's going to be on the Lord's side? And Levite came over and slew those that were involved in that and so forth. And as a result, they're going to be the ones, the Levites are going to be the ones that God is going to use as the priests. And this is the reason why. And they were going to look after the things of the tabernacle. And so, so God honors those that honor Him. Uh, it's just a principle, just part of the nature of our Heavenly Father to do that. And, uh, 
And so, so now we've come to this, and so now they're going to have to learn how to live and so forth. And so go here with me, go to chapter 1, Leviticus chapter 1, and let's talk about now the setting, the setting of these things. And so we're going to have this, this foundation, if you will, the foundation of fellowship, and it's right here in this very first chapter. And, and the, the, the way that we fellowship or that fellowship has been... Uh, has been bridged. The separation between God and men has been bridged because of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the Lord couldn't fellowship with us because we're, we were sinners. And, uh, but now the Scripture says in the book of Ephesians that we were once far off. Now we've been made nigh by the blood of Christ. And that thing which separated us, our sins, if you will, that's been done away with through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we can come boldly to the throne of grace and we don't have to have a priest anymore. You're your own believer priest. Each of us can go independently whenever we need to, even even when we don't have a need, and just go there in fellowship and thanksgiving and worship and adoration just to tell Him that you love Him and just to, you know, just to enjoy His presence. They couldn't do that back then. That wasn't afforded to them. And so so now, but the grounds of our fellowship had to do with sacrifice. Because, because again, I'm trying to, what I want to emphasize is that if you think about all all the articles, all the hooks and the basins and the bowls and the ashes and the water and the wood and the laver and the brazen altar and all the metals that it had to be made of, and then all that ornate furniture, all that had to be constructed just so they could deal with sin. It's a bigger issue than oftentimes what we make about it. I mean, just just like when the Lord Jesus was on the cross and He said, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? That's the first time ever since in eternity past that God the Son was separated from God the Father. They They had never known broken fellowship before, and thank God it'll never happen again. But think about us. I mean, broken fellowship, we're sort of accustomed to it in our, in our humanity. Y'all, y'all with me on? You understand what I'm talking about? And so, uh, and so this matter of sin, it was a bigger deal. That's the reason why that in order for us to go, it, wasn't going to, it couldn't be the, the blood of lambs and goats and oxen, if you will, bullocks, if you will, that could take away our sin we needed something that was more precious than that, and that was the blood of Christ. And so here, they're having to see, they're learning that the basis or the foundation of their fellowship with God is based upon that sacrifice, this offering that's made. And so look with me here, look in chapter 1, and here you have the beginning of what's called the sweet savor offerings. The sweet savor offerings. And what is a sweet savor? What can you describe that for me? Something that's pleasant? Let me ask you a question. Uh, have you ever been, you know, using your grill outdoors and man have a neighbor drive by and say, uh, 
Jose, what time should we be ready? You know, have they, they ever, you know, if, if you have a patio home or you're near to somebody or whatever, that happens a lot of times in the RV park. We go like, gosh, where are we going to visit tonight? You know, and uh, and so why? Because you hear them out there. Because what's happening is that fat is hitting the fire. When that when you get that barbecue going good, that's what makes the barbecue smell good. It's not just necessarily the meat, but it's when that fat hits the fire. It gets rendered and puff, you get magic. All right, I like to grill, and uh, and so you could you could you tell yeah, and and so uh, man, I could just sit out there and just let that stuff smoke. I like I like the smell of all that. That's a sweet smelling savor, if you will. It's pleasant. All right, and so here. These offerings are, are going are to be described in chapters 1 through 3, these, uh, these sweet savor offerings, all right? And what is an offering? What is an offering? It is. It's something that you bring, all right? It's something that you bring to give away. All right, so let's read this, all right? Notice what it says. Look at verse 2. Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, If any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the cattle, even of the herd and of the flock. Now watch. If his offering be a burnt offering, uh, uh, if it be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will. So this burnt offering was, was done voluntarily. It was something that they wanted to do. It wasn't something that they had to do. They weren't told to do this, but they just did it possibly out of thanksgiving, out of gratitude, and uh, they just wanted to bring something for, before God, bring something to God Maybe because of how good he had been to them. Or maybe that things, you know, something bad happened, but it didn't get worse or, or whatever in that situation. There's a multitude of those things. And sometimes people do that today. There are just some things that they do. They want to give something. Maybe they bring something in, just like Brother Roger said the other night. and said, man, many times people have come and said, hey, do you know somebody that has a need? I, I just want to give this. If you know somebody, distribute it how you think it should be distributed. What are they doing? They're giving an offering. Did anybody tell them that we're having to do that? No. They did it voluntarily. And, uh, and it was a free will offering of their own choosing. All right? And it describes that. So, so the, 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 the characteristics of that offering are outlined here for you. Number one, it was voluntary. Two, it had to be without spot or blemish. You know, uh, sometimes you go some places and, uh, and people have junk for Jesus. Now, do you know what that is, junk for Jesus? A lot of times missionaries wind up with stuff like that, or that used to be how it was in days gone by. Like if it was broken and it, and it didn't work here at home, then by golly, they probably could use it on the mission field because they got such ingenuity over there. Those little third world countries, those people are very, they're very smart. They have, uh, they have all that, uh, all that uh, you know, common sense and stuff. They could probably make it work over there. You know, even though it's a bicycle and only got one wheel. They'll learn to ride a unicycle. Them fellows are so clever over there. You know, but the Lord said, "Uh uh-uh. No, that's not how we're doing it. And so it had to be without spot or blemish. So you wasn't going to bring a three-legged goat. 
All right, wasn't going to be something, a sore-eyed bird or whatever. You know, had a little sickness, you're calling through. Well, I don't want that to spread, so let's go ahead and take that up to, uh, let's go ahead and give that to the priest. No, that wasn't going to fly, no pun intended, about the bird, all right? Uh, that just wasn't how it was going to be done because, you know, the Lord put some, put some restrictions on that without spot or blemish. It could be a bullock, a ram, a turtle dove, or it could be a pigeon, and it was given entirely to God. Man had no part in it. All right? Meaning that uh, they were to burn the whole thing. All right? And, uh, and so it was a sweet-smelling, uh, a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. And so he was to lay it all on there and he was to burn it all. And uh, and so it's a picture of the Lord, if you will, who is offering Himself. There, there's a song I've heard it sung maybe only one or two times, but it says they search through heaven, you know, basically like to find somebody that could that uh, could be the sacrifice. Brother Mark, I don't know what I don't know the name of the song, but I know you've probably heard it. They search through heaven, but you know what? That's not true. That just makes for a good song, if you will, in the songwriting. But it wasn't true that the Lord wasn't hiding somewhere in the corner of the universe, uh, there in the third heaven somewhere, and 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 God the Father's going, Son, where are you? I need you. And oh, oh, you're looking for me? No, that didn't happen. The Lord Jesus gave His life willingly. Right? No man took His life from Him. He laid it down of Himself, and He took it back up of Himself. And so don't let, don't let it be thought that, man, they just didn't know what else to do and uh, they had been searching, searching, searching. No, he was present for duty. And he gave himself willingly to be the sacrifice for men. And so he offered himself completely to the Father's will. Yes, ma'am. Well, this was not given to the priest. This was burnt totally on the altar. The ashes would be collected. There was, uh, that's a great question. And let me just give you a little sidebar here. So there would be, you, there are going to be a lot of ashes that are going to have to be collected, right? Because I said as before, this fire burns all the time because there never was an end to it. All right. And so later on, do you remember when Joshua, Brother Roger again talked about this in one of the messages? He was talking about the fellows called the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites, those were people that, you know, they faked it like... Because the rule was if they were more than three days away, they would be spared. More than a three days journey, they would be spared. But if they lived inside of three days of Israel going through, they were going to be dealt with. And they were definitely inside of three days. So they contrived all that stuff. They put on old clothes, had moldy bread, old worn out wine skins, and they fooled Joshua and so forth, and Joshua had to keep his word. And so what happened to them, Joshua said, okay, you're going to become hewers of wood and drawers of water. And so it was the Gibeonites' job to keep that altar clean. They had to bring wood for the fire, and they had to bring water to clean it and the ashes. But in this particular offering, sis, it, all, of, all of whatever they gave was given to the Lord and it was burned. The other parts are going to be parts where in the other offerings that the priests are going to take a portion of that. Some of it's going to be for the Lord and some of it's going to be for the priest. Okay? And so that's what happened to the other parts. Uh, 
in, in a roundabout way. Some of them are more specific, like, you know, the fat above the call, the C-A-U-L is kind of like where your kidneys are, the part above the kidneys. Uh, the Lord had some real specific things about what, what he wanted burnt and what the priests could have. And they could put a hook in there and take a certain amount out, depending upon what the offering was and what was the purpose and the like. And so, so this was entirely for the Lord. And so it's what John 8.29 says. Anybody remember what John 8.29 says? The Lord Jesus is speaking and said, I do always those things which please my Father. That's right. I do always those things. Man, what a testimony. And, uh, and, and he did. And so, so that's this first one here, this burnt offering that you see. And it starts off these, these sweet savor offerings that, uh, that are going to be there. The next one in chapter 2 is going to be the, the meat offering. And meat offering is not necessarily, when it says meat, it's not like the word meat that we use. Meat here is going to be meal, M-E-A-L, okay? And so, uh, but it's called a meat offering in chapter 2. Notice what it says, and he shall, well, let's read the first verse. And when any will offer a meat offering unto the Lord, his offering shall be a fine flour, and he shall pour oil upon it, and put frankincense thereof. And he shall bring it to Aaron's sons, the priest, and he shall take thereout his handful of the flour thereof, and of the oil thereof, with all the frankincense thereof, and the priest shall burn the memorial of it upon the altar to be an offering made by fire of a sweet savor of the Lord. Now here's where your question comes in, sis. Look at verse 3. And the remnant of the meat offering shall be Aaron's and his sons. Okay? Make sense? It is a thing most holy of the offerings of the Lord made by by fire. And so, uh, and so that's what, and the same thing will happen with some of these other offerings that involve flesh. Okay. And so, uh, and so there are a few of them here. And so it, again, this was voluntary and it was one of the three ways that, that you could do it. You could do it in an oven. You could, you could make it in a baking pan or in a frying pan and you could bring that. In other words, it just didn't have to be flour. You could have already prepared this and then bring it to them. All right, but it couldn't have. It, it had to be uncooked fine flour, unleavened cakes, or roasted grain, and it couldn't have any leaven in it. It couldn't have any. And we talked about this, mentioned it last time, right? Leaven is what. Uh, it, it's the byproduct of yeast, right? That's what leaven is. It's yeast. It's what makes bread rise, be fluffy, and all that stuff. And uh, and so that's why when we have the Lord's Supper here, and we observe that, I, I try to get the real deal matzahs. I don't try. We get them, the real matzahs uh, that are kosher and suitable for the Passover and uh, because they are unleavened bread. They don't have any leaven in them. There's no yeast, and that's why they're flat. They don't rise, okay, at all. And uh, there's no proofing or whatever that takes place with that. So we, uh, my wife has a recipe for it. We would just make it at the house when we were in a house, and we would do it like that. And uh, and so, no 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 uh, no leaven or honey allowed, but it must have salt. Okay, it had to be savory, had to have salt with it. It represents kind of the perfection 
if you will, of the Lord Jesus. Each of these things are a reference to him, some aspect about his life. And he lived that, born of a virgin, lived a virtuous life, all right? And then, uh, and, and so look in verse 9. And the priest shall take from the meat offering a memorial thereof and shall burn it upon the altar. It's an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. It was going to be pleasing unto him, all right? And then look at verse 10. And that which is left of the meat offering shall be Aaron's and his sons, all right? And so it's talking, it's describing these things. And then the peace offering that you have in, uh, in chapter 3, let's look at that one, the peace offering. And, uh, and, and when you think about it, you know, it's, it's the fact that when the Lord Jesus died, I mean, what, 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 let's just go there. Keep your place there in Leviticus 3, mark it, and I want you to go to Isaiah 53 with me. Isaiah 53. If you get to the book of Psalms, keep turning right. Isaiah chapter 53. Are you all with me? Am I going too fast? I'm not talking about turning. I'm just saying in my explanation here. All right, now now watch. Uh, Look at verse 10, Isaiah 53 and verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Who's the him there? That's the Lord Jesus. That's exactly right. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pressure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Now watch. Look at verse 11. He shall see the travail of his soul. Isaiah 53 and verse 11. He shall see the travail of his soul and be what? Satisfied. Satisfied. And so this is the reason why there can be the peace offering. You can go back, you can go back to Leviticus now in chapter 3. This is the peace offering. And, uh, and so here, what you have, it was again, it was voluntary. It could be a bullock, it could be a sheep, uh, it could be a goat of either sex, male or female. Uh, a, a bird would not be big enough for two reasons. Birds don't have much. All right, in the way uh, of fat and so forth. And the fat was to be God's portion. He always wanted the fat. That's what God wanted, all right? Birds are too small to be divided three ways between the Lord, the priest, and the offerer. All right, the person doing the offering. So there, there had to be something else. So, so this is, this is the only offering. Remember the burnt offering, the first one, that was strictly for the Lord. The meat offering could be divided between Aaron, or between Aaron and his sons and the, and the Lord, if you will. But this one now is divided three ways. Okay, between the offerer, between the Lord, and between the priest. So it had to be something that was larger. And this is the peace offering. And it's a picture of the fact that what Jesus did on Calvary, God was satisfied with that offering and it brought about peace for us. And it meant peace for them. All right? And so uh, it was made according to, according to the position held. And this had to do with if, if you were wealthy or like the priest, you, you, ha- you had to bring a bullock. You couldn't bring a lamb. You couldn't, you couldn't bring something like that, all right? 
And, uh, and so it, uh, the, the priest had to offer it. He got the, what's called the heave shoulder and the wave breast. There's some other things that having to do with this. And uh, the offer ate the remainder. The peace offering speaks of that restored communion. Why? Because now peace is, has been restored, right? And so that's what's happening here. And so peace between the offer and God has been restored, and that is through the Christ offering of Himself. And keep in mind that all these offerings, and when we talk about the feast days and all these things, these are all things that the Lord Jesus represented in His work at Calvary. And, uh, and that's why, you know, that's why I said, you know, in some other lessons in Sunday school, there's so much more that has taken place that we don't just don't fully comprehend. I don't think we're going to really understand totally until we get on the other side about all that happened at Calvary, all that happened in that offering. And so, uh, so look at all these things, all the, all the details, all the requirements that had to be, and all that is summed up and done in one person for us. And what a blessing. Man, aren't you glad you don't have... I mean, gosh, we'd be having to bring this, uh, all these things and all the right mixtures and all the right portions and have to look everything over. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, was, uh, it, it, was, it was a little complicated. But that was God's economy at the time. And so this is what he wanted, all right? So God had been satisfied, man is reconciled, and now peace is made between them, all right? And so uh, it then brings us to the non-saver, all right? The non-sweet saver offerings. And, and this is, so the first one is what Christ did to satisfy God. The burnt offering was voluntary. The, the meat offering and so forth, the perfection of the Lord's life. He lived that sinless life, born of a virgin, virtuous life. And then in His sacrifice, He brought peace. And that's why that middle wall of partition has been taken down in part. And the veil has been rent in twain because now there's no more, there's no more division. There's no more keeping us at bay, keeping us away. And so, uh, and so now we come to the to the non-sweet savor offerings, and this is the portions or the aspects of what Jesus did that are manward, what He did for us. And that's the sin offering, all right? This was, a, this was a mandatory offering. Look in chapter 4, and look with me in verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a soul shall sin through ignorance against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done and shall do against and shall do against any of them all right and so this is this is the sin offering it's when it's when you have have uh, crossed a line if you will it's when you have committed something here which ought not to be done you know sins of commission then sins of omission things that you should have done and you didn't do all right and so he shall bring the bullock, verse 4, to the door of the congregation, lay his hand upon the bullock's head and kill the bullock before the Lord, and so forth. And the priest shall dip his... I'm in verse 6. <coughs> verse 5 says he takes of that blood and, and brings it to the tabernacle, and the priest shall dip his finger in the blood. 
and sprinkle of the blood seven times uh, before the uh, before the Lord before the veil of the sanctuary shall put some blood upon the horns of the altar and sweet incense before the I mean there was a whole this blood had to be applied because of the because of the sin that had been committed all right because it was going to affect all these things and uh, and so and so like what does the altar of incense represent All right, and so the altar of incense sort of represents prayer. But when, but when we have sinned, what happens to our prayer life? It is hindered. And so the blood is applied here on the, because that altar of incense had little horns that came out of the corners. In other words, it is applied there as restorative now of my prayer life. And just like when we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to cleanse us. From all sin, right? And so, and so it is a restorative act that's taking place here on behalf of that person or that, indiv- or that individual or whatever that had, that had taken place. All right? And so, um, so, and it was made according to the position that they held. If it was for the priest, it was a bullock. If it was for the congregation, it was a bullock. A, ro- a ruler, a male goat, a common person, it could be a female goat. But it's interesting here, the sin of the priest and the sin of the whole congregation are treated equally. And that's why, you know, that's part of the reason why that passage in James says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing we shall receive the greater condemnation. That, that, that there's a standard that's there that, that shouldn't be violated. And so, um, and so here, this offering, this sin offering, is given and it pictures Christ as our sin bearer. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, For God made Him, that's the Lord Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of Christ in Him. So on the day that we got saved, what did we do? We traded in our filthy rags, which was the best that we had. And those rags, according to Isaiah 64, those talk about, those are the rags of a leper. Old putrefying sores. That's the best that man could do. Diseased. All right. And, And we traded those rags in for the righteousness of Christ. And so, man, what an exchange has taken place on that day when we got saved. And so... Here, this is something that the Lord did on the manward side for us in His offering of Himself. And so, uh, and so it pictures Him as our, our sin bearer, all right? And then go to chapter 5 with me. And you can, you can look at the details about some of these things. And, uh, and look in verse, with me, look in chapter 5, look in verse 1. Let's read through these verses. And if a soul sin and hear the voice of swearing and is a witness, whether he hath seen or known of it, if he shall do not utter it, then he shall bear his iniquity. Or if a soul touch any unclean thing, whether it be a carcass of an unclean beast or a car, I'm in the, yeah, I'm in the right chapter. Or a, a, 
of an unclean beast or the carcass of unclean cattle or the carcass of unclean creeping things. And if it be hidden from him, he also shall be unclean and guilty if he touch the uncleanness of man. Whatsoever uncleanness it be that a man uh, shall be defiled withal and it be hid from him and when he knoweth of it, then he shall be guilty. In other words, that he did something that basically he was unaware of. He did it ignorantly in these things. Now, why do you suppose God was concerned about things like that? That you touch something diseased, you touch something dead. Why do you suppose that was? He didn't want you to get sick. He didn't want disease to spread. All right? Did not want disease to spread. And, um, and so this could affect a lot of other people. He, he didn't want a pandemic. <laughs> All right? Or an epidemic. He didn't want that. And so uh, this was part of the way to do that. But, you know, and, and, and so look at verse 4. Or if a soul swear pronouncing with his lips to do evil or to do good whatsoever it be that a man shall pronounce with an oath and it be hid from him when he knoweth of it then he shall be guilty in one of these and it shall be when he shall be guilty in one of these things that he shall confess that he hath sinned in that thing and he shall bring his trespass offering unto the Lord for his sin which he hath sinned a female from the flock, a lamb or a kid of the goats for a sin offering, and the priest shall make an atonement for him concerning his sin. And so here, this trespass offering was mandatory and had to be done, if you will, according as to what it was said. And, uh, and it was for a list of sins that were important to God. And if a man crossed that, if he that, that's what trespass means. Now we think about it, when somebody trespasses, what, what are they doing? They went somewhere they shouldn't or that there was a boundary there, right? And they crossed over a boundary. They, they, they went beyond the boundary. Does that make sense? That's kind of like what trespassing is. And so here, a trespass offering was God said, don't do this, and you went across the boundary. All right? And it was done ignorant. Is that a question mark on your face, sister? That's all right, sister. If you had a question, I want to make sure. Well, yes, ma'am, it is. But but this is a, but it's it's the term that's used, the trespass offering, because one of the passages, one of those in the Lord's Prayer talks about our trespasses as well as we forgive those who trespass against us. And so, so here these were things that where they crossed the line, God said, don't do this, and they did it, but they did it ignorantly. They didn't know, all right, what necessarily what was going on. And so, um, and so it happens here, but, in, but in, in each instance a restitution had to be made. Because of what had tra- because of what had transgressed, so we know that sin is missing the mark, and uh, and so, but the trespass is overstepping the mark. Like that's like that verse that says, "For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God." It'd be like if we had a dartboard up here and we're eight feet away, and Brother Jeff got up there with that puny arm and went, and it it, poof, it stuck in the ground right here, never even hit the board. Uh, you, all you were aiming for the ground. That would be coming short 
All right? But this would be like, man, he suddenly, you know, had Power Ranger stuff and it went right through the door, missed the target, but went right on through the door out in the parking lot. He would have transgressed. He would have trespassed, but gone too far. All right? That's a poor example, but I did it at Brother Jeff's expense. All right? So, um, and so here... Uh, and again, it is, it is done, it, it, this is a picture of what Jesus has done for us, if you will, to re- erase every transgression of the law on our behalf. Go to the book of Colossians with me, and we're going to be done right there. The book of Colossians. And when we finish, I'm going to have one more thing to say to you, and I'm not going to keep you long, I promise. Look in Colossians chapter 2. This is a great description of what this offering was about. Okay, now this is a non-sweet savor offering. Okay. Look look at verse 13, chapter 2 and verse 13 of the book of Colossians. I'll wait for you all to get there. All right, notice what it says. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Now watch. Hath he quickened together with him. That word quickened means to be made alive. We were dead in trespasses and sins when we trusted Christ and repented of our sins. We were quickened. We were made alive. We passed from death unto life. All right, now watch. What about the evidence of what we were? Okay. Hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all, there's that word, sis, trespasses. You see that? Having forgiven us all trespasses. Now watch. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. So when you blot something out, what have you done? If somebody had signed an agreement and you blotted out, what, what did you do? Well, you took away their what? You took away their signature, right? You blotted it out that it's not there anymore. Notice what it says. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to His cross. He took it out of the way. That's, that's why, you know, we, there's a song that says, I don't know how all of it goes, but the chorus says, let me see, my, my sins are gone. There underneath the blood of the cross of Calvary. <clears throat> I've got too high. As far removed as darkness is from dawn. In the yeah, in the sea of God's forgetfulness. Thank you, sister. In the sea of God's forgetfulness. That's good enough for me. Praise God. My sins are gone. Not just forgiven, but the evidence is gone. And, and the highest judge in the land will say, hey, no evidence. The devil didn't make a prima facie case. Case dismissed, all right? And that's what happens. So he took them out of the way. And that's the picture of that trespass offering to erase, to expunge, to remove. I mean, hey, man, praise God, what a blessing to be saved. A- any question? Any question about these things? Not, not because I'm teaching, but man, this is good stuff. I, I mean, it just, it just helps you, man, appreciate all that's been done and how the New Testament, remember, Old Testament is the New Testament concealed 
And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And we see the revealing here. And Paul was privy to those things. All right, any question? Glad you're saved? Amen. Yes, amen. That's right. All right, let's pray. Then I'm going to tell you something about the road outside. All right, let's pray. Father, I sure do thank you for the truth of the Word of God. Thank you for our, indeed, our great Savior, Lord. Uh, How He loved us and died in our place for us. Delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you today. And I pray, Father, that we might rejoice to even think more highly about all that has transpired, done on our behalf, because you love us. I pray, Father, that you'll bless us as we go to our homes tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.